This episode of Upstream in Perspective is brought to you by IHS Markets Upstream Insight. Our team of industry experts analyze the interplay of geopolitical structures, government priorities, corporate strategies, and global markets and technologies to deliver forward-looking solutions that lead to more informed and efficient decisions. These solutions are available via recurring reports, interactive analytics, robust data sets, and bespoke engagements with experts. Learn more about our offerings at www.ihsmarket.com energy. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host for today's show, Jessica Nelson. Today I'm joined by two of our North American oil and gas experts to talk about the promises and perils of ENP specialization, which is a topic they tackle in the new report. Raoul LeBlanc leads a team responsible for evaluating the dynamic North American onshore arena. And Reed Olmsted is the director for the North American Plays and Basins Research Team. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Jessica. Good to be here. For many years in oil and gas, bigger was unquestionably better. But in recent years, operators have shifted more towards specialization. Can you guys explain a little bit about what this is and how specialization has changed the oil and gas landscape in North America? Well, Raul, I'll let you take this one. You, you've been around uh, the business a little longer than me, having your, your long tenure at Anadarko. So why don't you talk a little bit about how the industry was, and I'll, I'll jump in at the end of that. Sounds good. So, you know, it's interesting when I think back to the beginning of the uh, shale revolution and being in an E&P company in a big, large, you know, global independent uh, during the 90s and the, and the 2000s, it was clearly a case where Everybody wanted a diversified portfolio. People had left the U.S., right? They had actually diversified because they felt uh, sort of the U.S. onshore was uh, a, a place that was limited. And so they went places. Now, they, they managed to do that. And at the same time, however, there is a larger trend. There is a larger trend toward specialization from the very long term. You know, back in the day, People own their own service sector arms, right? They own their own uh, midstream. They own the power process. And we've gradually seen a number of those things fall away. But by the time we got to, to U.S. independence, which are the bulk of the market cap, uh, really it was a situation of diversified portfolio often across the U.S. in a whole number of assets, and those were deemed to be strengths. Yeah, I'll give you that for sure. And I think one of the things we've seen emerge is, is that pendulum has swung in the other direction. Um, and I think it, I think that was accelerated by the price collapse, uh, first of gas and then oil, where operators were really placing their bets on either gas or oil. There are actually very few U.S. independent operators that are still oil and gas. And there are lots of reasons for this. You know, as plays have been delineated, we've been able to hive off uh, the lower quality assets and, you know, smaller companies have emerged. Um, but the push has definitely become in the U.S. or in the North America arena um, for a focus on one play, one asset, be an expert in one area. There's no longer an interest uh, for companies to be a jack of all trades. They want to be the best at one asset, one skill set. Um, one operational mode. So we have seen a, a large shift. There are still a few holdouts, um, typically larger companies, but for the for the lion's share of U.S. independence, um, there's no more interest in, or there is significantly reduced interest in being uh, diversified across both the value chain and the asset type. 
why do we see more specialist operators emerging in North America upstream? Well, I think a lot of that reason is that there's not a need. Like Raul said, you know, the operators used to own their own midstream. They used to own their own refining and their own service sector. Um, now we have across the value chain specialists emerging. You've got the full the full gamut of companies and operators in each of those buckets, each of those uh, points along the, the the system. And so an operator no longer is is uh, beholden to owning midstream or owning a refining asset uh, like they might have been uh, back in the 90s, early 2000s. Right. And so and I, I agree, Reed. In addition to the fact that, well, they can because they can uh, use third parties, there's also been a strong drive, really, let's face it, from investors who are saying two things. Number one, specialization works. Uh, and, you know, the analogy I like to use is, is that of a decathlete. Even the person who set the world record for the decathlete at the London Olympics would have come in dead last in eight out of ten categories. The point is specialization works. In some ways, it's, it's at the heart of the Industrial Revolution, right? Uh, it, if you get good at one thing, you can become very excellent at it. And from an investor standpoint, uh, a lot of investors uh, are saying to EP companies, I don't want you to be diversified. I don't want you to be in 15 different assets and have gas and oil. I understand that it diversifies your portfolio, but I would rather build a synthetic investment portfolio from a number of specialists, each of whom is best in class in a particular skill set, rather than try to have uh, you uh, specialize a lot. So there is investor pressure and the fact that, well, you know, it, it does often deliver results in terms of efficiency and, uh, and focus and a reduction in, so, quote unquote, wasted capital. Merle, well, you just mentioned there that specialization works. So it seems to be a good thing, um, leading to more efficient operations, higher value to shareholders. But your report also flags some risks that the industry might be overlooking. Uh, what are some of these risks and why might they be getting overlooked? Well, I'll start with this one. I think, I think Jessica, ultimately, specialization has the potential to, you know, limit a company's opportunities. Um, you really start to box yourself in if you're simply a, a Marcellus operator, simply a Permian operator. You know, you, you lose some optionality. You, you get very boxed in, and it narrows your, your horizons going forward. And I think, you know, there are a lot of factors that could influence that, but it definitely does narrow the, the operator's horizons uh, in, in the operations. I think that's true, Reed. And, and the other shoe to that, right, the, the thing that makes that a real risk is that in doing that, you may lose the ability to find the next play. So right now, if you're focused on something and you've been out hunting and you, you, you shot the elephant, everything looks good, okay? And so the question is, are you losing the ability to hunt? Right now, the ability to hunt, in other words, going to get new acreage, trying new wells, failing, looks like wasted capital. Why? Because, well, it is wasted capital from the standpoint of uh, the next several years. <clears throat> and so the risk, though, is that companies really don't come out of it. And we've seen companies that, that have gone down that road and have the same asset now that they had, you know, maybe 10 years ago, and that asset is, you know, uh, worn out. And you can see some of that on the, on the gas side, of course, and some of the older gas plays uh, for shale and tight gas. So uh, in this, it's a question of... Uh, have you thereby atrophied 
uh, your ability to go find another thing. And I want to come back to something you said earlier, Raul, about operator or investors building synthetic portfolios. Is there a risk to that? And honestly, I think that there is a severe risk that may be overlooked, which is, look, how do you add value in an unconventional? You either de-risk a play or you add a technology, generally downspacing or improve your EURs, things like that. Well, we've seen a limit to some of these individual assets being able to, uh, the optimization uh, opportunity there. So we've seen a limit, we're starting to see limits of profit loading and lateral links and Perwell productivity. So then the question is, how do, how do these operators, how do these management teams add value to that stock uh, that the investors have pushed for uh, in their synthetic portfolio? And so there's a little bit of an uncertainty, a dichotomy there between what the operator wants and what the investor wants. Um, and I think I think that's definitely a risk, which is, look, what happens in, in three years? How has any individual operator been able to materially improve their value uh, when, when all they do is continue developing, developing an asset, they're not exploring and they're not, and, and the optimization is starting to show signs of being, of, of reaching its limits. I agree, Reed. Uh, you're right. We're at the point in the cycle and the point in the revolution uh, where adding value is going to be difficult. The other thing is, when you take a look at this, environmental volatility is the real risk. If, if you're a specialist, you're optimized, you are really good at one thing, but by definition, it makes you vulnerable. I mean, it's the point of diversification, and we're giving up diversification. And so to that degree, we are making ourselves vulnerable to all sorts of external events. And if you only have one asset, one play, maybe nothing's going to happen, and you're going to be a smashing success for the next five, seven, ten years. But on the other token, on the other hand, on the other hand, something may happen next month. And we've seen some of this, right? We've seen minor setbacks. It's happening right now in the Permian, right, uh, with, with bottlenecks. It's happened certainly in the Marsalis. I mean, I think uh, people who specialized in gas have had a, t a tough go of it compared to, to the oil folks. So uh, you got to be careful what you want to specialize in because the world's a volatile place and it's unknown. There could be, for example, another technology uh, somewhere else that makes oil cheap or uh, uh, something else that enhances other assets. So uh, there are dangers to specialization because you create a certain vulnerability to things happening that are beyond your control and could be a critical risk to your business. And Reed, I'll ask you, what are the catalysts that may change this trend and are any of them evident? So that's an interesting question. I think there are really two two ways that this trend could change. You know, we said earlier that we've seen this pendulum swinging back and forth a little bit. Uh, you know, historically it was all about diversification, and now we're seeing it swing back towards specialization. And I think the indicator, you know, what, what could cause it to change is, is when we start to see this system fail. And the perception was diversification wasn't as good as specialization, and probably eventually we'll see specialization. There'll, there will be a movement where specialization, where we swing too far, and specialization will uh, give way back to diversification. So I think that's one way it could change. The other is consolidation. And we've seen this, you know, particularly in the Permian Basin is, the specialists are getting acquired by diversified operators, and it's not a mid-tier diversified operator. It's it's big companies. It's Shell and Chevron and Exxon and 
and whatnot. And so um, one of the way that the specialization trend could change trajectory is by large companies, uh, diversified companies coming in and acquiring the specialists and trying to leverage that in their diversified portfolio. They have the breadth and the ability to remain diversified um, and just acquire these very niche specialized companies. So those are sort of the two ways that, that we're thinking we might see it change. And we've seen, as I said, evidence in the consolidation aspect. As far as just the pendulum swing, I don't think we've seen evidence of that yet. And Rule, what should stakeholders do to prepare for a trend reversal, and, and do you see it reversing? Um, I guess I would say I would say this. Uh, again, one to leave with the message that specialization works. Uh, I, I think it, it's done. And from a systemic point of view, having a number of specialists actually probably makes the system more robust. Okay. Uh, however, from an individual company point of view, it doesn't. And I'll point out that this is not a universal trend. While it's a long-term trend, and while we see lots of companies doing this and lots of people selling their non-core assets and, and, and focusing on, on a couple of asset types, you do have people making big decisions that are further down the road to, to keep diversification, right? Whether it's Exxon paying a billion dollars for a block in uh, uh, off Brazil or uh, some of the European majors getting into power. There are people who are saying, you know what, I, I need to, to think about this. And so from a company point of view, preparing for uh, volatility ahead, I think, is the key. And, and, and part of that is about creating optionality and not losing the adaptability uh, that, that could prove vital. To give an extreme example, you know, we had a very highly optimized system in, uh, in the U.S. For, for mortgages and mortgage-backed securities. And it worked great until it blew up, right? Uh, and I'm not suggesting something like that's going to happen, but it's an example of a system that's become, becomes fragile, uh, because you have a number of people doing very specific things and taking it to the extreme. Uh, I will say that companies need to start thinking about these hidden risks and how they might prepare for volatility by creating optionality. What a fascinating topic. So, Raul Reed, thanks for sharing your insights with me today. Um, we look forward to hearing more about this topic in the coming months as you see more developments. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To find out more about the special report Reed and Raul previewed in today's show, please visit www.ihsmarket.com slash specialization. This podcast contains information and insights copyrighted by IHS Market. To learn more about IHS Market Energy Solutions, visit ihsmarket.com energy. That's ihsmarkit.com forward slash energy.